we are the descendants of 40 million people who left other countries, other familiar scenes, to come here to the United States to build a new life. I think it is not a burden, but a privilege. Welcome to Statutes of Liberty, an immigration podcast brought to you by Classco Immigration Law Partners. Hello, everybody. This is Ron Clasco, and I'm joined today by Anu Nair and Andrew Zeltner, two of the wonderful attorneys in uh, in our office here at Clasco Immigration Law Partners. And we're here to talk to you about uh, a very, very critical subject. We have just finished, or just about to finish, uh, four years of unprecedented immigration restrictions under the Trump administration. And we are awaiting, as we do this podcast, the onset of the Biden administration. Um, and there are all types of indications based on uh, President-elect Biden's history uh, and on the people he's appointing uh, that we're very hopeful we're going to have a, a very pro-immigration administration that will hopefully deal with the four years of restrictions that we've dealt with. Just to put it into context, um, we have had, by actual account, more than 900 restrictions that are new in the Trump administration affecting immigration. There have been more than 50 executive orders issued by the Trump administration to restrict immigration. Um, there have been more than 125 new forms and instructions. Um, there are hundreds of lawsuits pending and many already successful lawsuits uh, successfully challenging the Trump restrictions. Uh, the, the, during this podcast, we wanna talk about what exactly can we expect the Biden administration to do? How quickly they can do it? Uh, are there any further things that Trump can do uh, in the last, whatever we're down to about uh, 60 days or less than 60 days of his administration? Uh, we're going to be talking about executive orders. We're going to be talking about some of the key regulations, uh, some of the policies and, and the adjudication history that we've experienced. Uh, and we'll talk about litigation, all to give you a preview of what we expect to happen uh, once the Biden administration takes over. So why don't we start with you, Anu? Uh, some of the biggest and biggest headlines uh, from Trump has been uh, his executive orders restricting immigration. Uh, can you give some quick uh, review of what some of the key ones have been and what the likelihood and timing might be of getting them overturned? Sure. So when Trump took office back in January of 2017, which seems a lifetime ago, Pretty soon after he start, he initiated the travel ban, which is um, also known as the Muslim ban. And that was one of the first executive orders that he signed and first executive order with respect to immigration. And he banned people uh, from getting non-immigrant visas or immigrant visas from certain Muslim countries. Now, those were challenged in court. He revised the executive order twice, and then it was finally upheld by the Supreme Court um, in late 20 or mid 2018. And those are still in effect. And um, in 2020, he added about six more countries to the travel ban. And President-elect Biden 
on his website has actually indicated that that's going to be one of the first things that he does is to sign an executive order basically overturning that um, specific travel ban. So that should be pretty instantaneous in terms of, you know, him actually taking action. But practically, how that's going to change people being able to come into the U.S. is a whole different story. Right now, because of COVID, a lot of consulates are still closed. They're only taking emergency appointments. People will have to restart their immigration processes. There's going to be a ton of backlog at consulates for interviews. So I wouldn't, if you have clients or if you are someone from those countries that's listening, I wouldn't say, you know, February 1st, pack your bags, you're going to be moving to the U.S. It's still going to take quite some time to kind of fix all of these delays that are happening. And in addition to the travel bans this year, there were multiple bans that were instituted because of COVID. Starting back in January of 2020, when the president um, kind of put a moratorium on people coming from China because of COVID. And that was expanded to include the UK, Brazil, um, the Shenzhen countries. So that was all, that's still all in effect. Um, so anyone who's been in those countries for 14 days are not allowed to enter the US. Now on, on the, uh, Biden's website, he does not actually mention anything about those COVID-related bans. So I'd be curious to see how he's going to be um, playing that. And I'm certain that he's going to be taking advice from scientists before proceeding, but we'll see how that turns out. But there's no mention of that anywhere on his website. Another executive order the president signed this year banned certain immigrant and non-immigrant visas to be issued at consulates overseas. And the purported purpose for those um, bans were because of COVID, there was going to be an expectation of high unemployment rates for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. And so the president banned non-immigrant visa holders um, coming here for employment and certain visa categories such as H, L, and J visas, and for um, immigrant visas that includes family members of petitioning U.S. citizens or um, permanent residents unless they happen to be spouses and unmarried children of U.S. citizens. For employment-based categories, visas were also banned unless the applicant was an EB-5 investor or they um, were doing something that would be considered the national interest of the United States, or they happen to work in healthcare or the pharmaceutical industry and therefore would be benefiting um, the U.S. by working on COVID-related cases and things like that. As of right now, that ban is set to expire on December 31st of this year. What we're hearing is that President Trump may extend that ban. He could extend it beyond the date of the last date of his presidency on January 20th. And right now, uh, there is a federal court in um, California that had enjoined this ban, but it's not a nationwide basis right now. So it could still take um, President-elect Biden to issue an executive order to end this uh, sort of visa ban. And the visa ban will probably, and any executive order to end the visa ban will probably need to have 
a really strong basis to potentially withstand any litigation that could arise. So all of that um, I'm expecting to be overturned. But again, in in President Biden, President-elect Biden's website, that's a mouthful. Um, he does not actually specifically mention when he's expecting to overturn those types of travel bans. I would expect based on his kind of pro-immigrant policies um, that we should see some executive orders in the first few weeks or months of his presidency. But again, the practical impact of overturning it may not really be readily um, kind of visible to most uh, foreign nationals. Again, consulates are closed for the most part. They're only taking emergency appointments. So even if all of these visa and travel bans are overturned, I would still expect it to take a year, maybe two, for things to get back to regular kind of business and regular numbers of investors or clients or foreign nationals being able to get their visas overseas. Right. So, so Anu, I think there, there might be a sense of, uh, you know, for some folks that as of noon on January 20th, uh, the world is magically going to change and all of these bans, you know, will be dealt with and suddenly embassy appointments will be available and so forth. And that's not really a realistic view of, of what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, when um, I, I would say even before President Trump uh, trying to get an interview at a consulate rescheduled was a bit of a nightmare. It would still take weeks or months for someone to get their interviews rescheduled. Now we're talking about over one year's worth of interviews having to be rescheduled with probably a skeleton crew at the consulates. And then all of the people who were not eligible since 2017 for these visas, all of a sudden in line to um, get a visa it's going to take a couple of years easily for us to get back to where we were pre-2017. Right. And certainly I think this administration is, uh, is widely expected to take a more sobering approach to the COVID issue and the Shanghai. So we really can't expect an immediate you know, reopening of, of consulates with a full staff of personnel that's ready to work through those backlogs that you talk about. That's exactly right. And I think that's why they purposefully didn't mention that on their website as, um, you know, the immigration plans that they have or actions that they're planning on taking. I'd like to think that they're waiting to see kind of the world is going to look like in the next couple of months before they make those decisions. Well, let's move on and, and talk about um, the next uh, type of mechanism used to create immigration restrictions. Anu talked about executive orders. Now we're going to talk about regulations passed by the various administrative agencies. Um, and here for our audience, the most interest probably revolves around the Department of Labor's regulation to vastly increase prevailing wages for H-1Bs and PERMs. Uh, the Immigration Services Regulation to restrict the definition of specialty occupation, which would result in a lot more H-1B denials, the various regulations to create uh, uh, health insurance requirements uh, to prevent families from immigrating because they don't meet new restrictive public charge grounds, uh, regulation to eliminate 
the duration of status category for foreign students. Um, all of these are in the process of working their way through the system right now. Um, and in order to understand how these, what's going to happen with these regulations, we need to understand that there are three different categories. One is if a regulation is final and has been final for a while, there is no shortcut way that the Biden administration can change it. Uh, it has to go through a whole new regulation process, which is usually defined by years and not months. If a regulation is proposed and has not become final yet, the Biden administration can simply stop it. Uh, and that would be an example of that would be the right now, at least the foreign student regulation, um, which at least as we speak today is still just a proposed regulation. All that may change before January 20th. And then the, the, the most interesting category are the last minute regulations that they make final um, before the, uh, the Biden administration starts. And then there's something that called the Congressional Review Act, which allows the Congress, both the Senate and the House, to overturn any regulation within the last 60 days. But the problem with that is that, at least as we're doing this podcast, we don't know who controls the Senate. And if, for example, uh, the Democrats control the Senate and the House, then there's a much greater chance that they may take action to overturn recent regulations under this Congressional Review Act. If the Senate may, is maintained in Republican hands, then there's much less chance. So on specific regulations, the Department of Labor wage regulation has been enjoined by a federal court. So as we speak today, it's not going anywhere. However, we expect that the Trump administration will now try to very quickly issue, do, do it the correct way, which they didn't do originally, which is issue a proposed regulation, have a short comment period, and then try to have it become final before January 20. Uh, this is a deadline, you know, down to the wire situation that we're watching. The same situation applies to the DHS H-1B specialty occupation regulation. Um, and, and that also uh, may follow the same course as the Department of Labor wage regulation. The, the public charge regulation has gone through a very tumultuous history with many courts overturning it and many courts putting it back into play. Uh, and it's there may be more litigation before Biden takes over uh, and we'll have to see exactly what the state of that is uh, and what, uh, you know, depending on what the courts do before Biden takes over, what action uh, the, the Biden administration needs to take. As we're doing this program, the health insurance uh, regulation uh, has been enjoined by a federal court, but that may well be overturned by a federal court. So a lot of this is, 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 is happening in real time. Um, and uh, we're going to have to see what further action the Trump administration takes between now and January 20 uh, to see what can be done to overturn it on the regulatory side. So you have executive orders and you have regulations, uh, and then you have what happens day to day, uh, which is the immigration service policy memos and policy manual, and simply the course of adjudication. 
And Drew, you know, maybe you can talk about the fact that putting aside all these regulations and executive orders, the Immigration Service has just on its own adopted much more restrictive interpretations in the past. Uh, and I'm curious how, what, what, if anything, the Biden administration can do and how quickly to kind of reverse that trend. Right. So I think, Ron, initially, when we look at policy, the first thing that we have to look at are who are the people going to be who are implementing that policy. Um, and as of uh, today, we don't have a nominated director of USCIS. However, we do kind of have the next best thing, which is a nominee for the Department of Homeland Security. And that gentleman is Ali Mayorkas. Um, and those of us who have uh, been in the immigration world for a while know that he was Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security for President Obama, and also actually served as the director of USCIS for several years. So Ron, correct me if I'm wrong, but I went back and I believe he is the first director of Homeland Security since uh, Tom Ridge took the job back in 2003, who has direct USCIS experience. So this is a man who knows how the agency runs intimately. And I think that's going to be a real advantage to us, you know, going forward um, to, to kind of leverage that experience. I, I think the next important thing to watch will be, does he make a change to the mission statement of the organization, right? You'll remember back three or four years ago, right, when the Trump administration took office, they amended the USCIS mission statement to take out the fact that we are a nation of immigrants. And instead, they went with a, a, a statement that is much more enforcement-based than a service-based uh, kind of an organization. So it, it, it will be interesting to see if Secretary Mayorkas kind, kind of um, takes the agency back to, um, to 2016 to its, its original mission. And I think that will give us a lot of clues as to where they're going. Um, you also mentioned earlier that there has been about 900 or so changes to the immigration system since January 2017. Um, there are also reports that uh, President-elect Biden may appoint um, a high-ranking official in the Department of Justice whose sole job it will be to look at all of these changes and propose actions. And, you know, my gosh, that's a full-time job for someone and, and, and a whole team. Uh, so I think it's really encouraging that we'll have the secretary with direct CIS experience because he was the leader, who may also have the guidance of a, a high-ranking attorney in DOJ who can look at all of these Trump uh, administration actions and, and, can, and can amend them. And, you know, what that means for RFE rates and, and for processing times, I think, you know, time will tell. I, I mean, clearly, I think immigration is going to be on the list of what this administration has to tackle seriously. It's by no means the first issue, right? Uh, I think, uh, you know, of course, the initial attention is going to be given to COVID and our economic uh, situation in general. So I think, you know, certainly we're in line, but we're not first in line. Um, when you look at RFEs, I mean, of course, H-1B denials have tripled in this administration. Uh, we've seen RFE rates hovering around 70% for L-1 B cases. L1Bs have kind of turned into many extraordinary ability cases, which they were never ever intended to be under our, you know, regulatory structure. Um, so, you know, while, you know, we can't know for sure what the future of RFE rates are and, and processing times are, I think we can take a little bit of, of comfort in the fact of, of what this, you know, new leadership has done in the past and what we can kind of expect from them going forward in the future. 
Um, so, you know, for the first time in, in four years as a lawyer, I, I feel a little bit less like the, the grim reaper and more like someone that can talk about, you know, positive policy changes. So I'm really excited by all of this. And I, I think the next, uh, you know, four years have a, you know, give us a great opportunity to kind of really start to do some positive things in this area, which just for me is a, and I, I think our firm in general, right, in the immigration community is just a complete welcome relief. Thank you, Drew. The, the last topic we wanted to talk about is litigation. Um, I mentioned at the top that the amount of federal court challenges to Trump policies are in the hundreds. Um, and it's interesting what's going to happen with that, because on January 21, there, these cases are going to be pending challenges to all of these regulations and all of these executive orders. And the defense of these cases that are pending will obviously have to be done by Biden's Department of Justice, who may have completely different policies and may well choose that they don't want to defend it. They don't want to defend a policy that they think is wrong, they think is illegal, and they think is bad policy. So what happens? Well, it is possible that some of these uh, uh, challenges the government will not oppose. Uh, and that will result in fairly quick turning around of, of some of the Trump executive orders and regulations. And that's a best case scenario. Now, it gets complicated where uh, when you have a situation where the the present administration chooses not to defend existing litigation uh, and i don't want to get to too high of a level on this but there there are procedures whereby outside people can request to intervene and defend the litigation that the government is not defending that's all going to play out but the bottom line is it's it's gratifying that when Trump leaves office, there will be all sorts of challenges to his policies um, in the courts, which give us a chance long after he's gone to get courts to overturn it a lot quicker than they may otherwise be, that, they, that the, these things could be overturned otherwise. There's another very interesting thing going on, and that is that a lot of what has been challenged are, are USCIS uh, regulations, uh, which relate to which USCIS falls within DHS. And these are signed off on by the secretary of DHS, which is now Chad Wolf and previously was, uh, was Kevin McAleenan. There have only been several litigations that have successfully challenged regulations and other policies on the basis that neither Wolf nor McAleenan was ever properly appointed as the secretary of DHS. The challenges to that have been successful on a number of cases. That was why the immigration service knew fees and forms were overturned. That's why the asylum regulations were overturned. There's a number of examples. Uh, so we expect there will continue to be more challenges, both before and after Biden takes over, to regulations promulgated and signed off on by Wolf or McAleenan 
that federal courts can overturn. So that and Ron, uh, with regard, Ron, with regard to these regulations, I mean, the, the Trump administration also regularly doesn't do its homework. And by that, I mean, they issue these regulations without going through the normal process of notice and comment rulemaking initially, right before the regulations are promulgated and simply announce these under the emergency provisions of the Administrative Procedures Act. And what does that, how, how does that, um, you know, line up for us as a means to uh, to attack these uh, these regulations as being improperly uh, implemented yeah so every every attempt that the trump administration has made to do to do, uh, do regulations without the proper notice and comment required by the administrative procedure act has been challenged and have been largely successful that's the exam that's the reason why the Department of Labor wage regulation is presently enjoined, because the, the court ruled that there was no emergency that prevented the normal process of doing this note where the public has a right to do notice and comment. So uh, that has been one of their attempts to get a lot more regulations approved, you know, through the system before January 20. But the good news is it's uh, so far failed. So Let's just put this all together and, and see where it leaves us. So I think all of us are very optimistic that the Biden administration is, is going to be have, you know, get us back to where we were as a country, as a welcome, welcoming country for immigrants, uh, and do everything necessary and possible to overturn the four restrictionist years that we've lived through. However, we're also realistic. Um, and, you know, rumor has it that there may be other things that Biden has to deal with in addition to immigration. Um, and that it may be that uh, all of these things are not going to be dealt with on day one. And therefore, we, we do have to be uh, realistic and we have to be patient that it is going to take some time to undo four years of uh, attempts to uh, uh, turn around the immigration system. Um, Drew, I think it was Drew who mentioned, I think it will be very important for, uh, for President Biden, President-elect Biden to appoint what we're calling an immigration czar, whose job it is to say, all right, there are these 900 restrictions. We can't deal with 900 the first day. So what is the order of priority? How are we going to deal with each? Um, there has to be somebody whose job it is to figure that out. And we hope that, uh, that the, the new president will, will do that. Um, and, and the last point I want to make in conclusion, which I think is one of the points Anu made, is that we're dealing with two different things here. One is we're dealing with all of the Trump restrictions, and that's really been the focus of our discussion. But we're also dealing with a pandemic. And a lot of the problems that we see, the consoles being closed and a lot of the, uh, uh, the delays overseas and the quarantines, this is not going to be solved by a new president. Um, if, if, uh, if the situation continues the way it is, consoles that are closed today are gonna to be closed on January 21st. And those types of problems are not gonna go away. So we have to realize we're dealing with both the pandemic issues and the Trump restrictions. So I hope you found that helpful. Uh, please give us a five-star rating and a review and email podcast at classgolaw.com with questions you would like answered. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And sign up for our emails for the latest alerts and blogs 
at classgolaw.com. I'd like to thank Anu Nair and Drew Zeltner uh, for this uh, very interesting podcast, very timely podcast, and thanks everybody for listening. For more information, visit us at classgolaw.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can email your immigration questions to podcast at classicallaw.com. The material contained in this podcast does not constitute direct legal advice and is for informational purposes only. An attorney-client relationship is not presumed or intended by receipt or review of this presentation. The information provided should never replace informed counsel when specific immigration-related guidance is needed. Thank you.